Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. It is officially game week and we are ready to kick off the college football season as the number two Clemson Tigers take on the Auburn Tigers in Jordan-Hare Stadium. This is Ben. I am joined today by Cody. Um, I'll be hosting for you guys today. As we mentioned before, our normal host Tully is frolicking around in Europe somewhere for a, a few weeks, so we'll be holding it down here at the beginning of the season. Before we get started, uh, a little plug for us. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcasting app. It's not just SoundCloud. That's a good way to find us, but Cody, you've been bugging me about this, so drop some knowledge. Yeah, SoundCloud's great. It's pretty. It looks like Clemson Orange. I love it. Um, it's not. It's a great place to meet us, to date us. Go marry us on iTunes or somewhere that's better for your phone's data plan. iTunes, Stitcher, I think TunedIn Radio, whatever your favorite podcast app is. Um, that's just a better listening experience. Plus, you can fast forward through you know me rambling on about stuff like what I'm rambling on about now. Yeah, and if you're like me and you have trouble uh, navigating away from one thing and finding other stuff in your phone, ask your kids, find a millennial, ask them anything, you'll be better off. Uh, again, Cody, like I mentioned, it's game day. It's almost Well, game day is almost upon us. This is one of the best times of year. My fiance is even out of town this weekend, so I know I'm going to live it up watching college football all weekend. This is a bit different feeling for us heading into this season than last year. We've only got one spot to jump to be the top team in the country, which, you know, that's not a long way to climb. We haven't experienced something like this before, so it's, it's a really unique uh, time for, for Clemson fans. I think so, I and mean, that's why we look the whole offseason at teams like Alabama, LSU, FSU, there's just something that's that much more compelling and interesting about the national landscape when your team, when you have a dog in the fight. And I compare it a little bit to like March Madness, uh, where you might not be you know, a number one seed, but if you're in the tournament, you have a dog in the fight. So you naturally want to watch other teams, maybe in your bracket, maybe beyond. But it just adds that much more intrigue. We certainly have a dog in the fight. We're ranked number two. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm watching Alabama, USC, uh, Ohio State. Is it Ohio State and uh, or it's Oklahoma and Houston? Correct. And uh, several other games. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very exciting time, and I think we'll probably start at like nine in the morning, just watch football all day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're out here on the West Coast, so those noon games do start at nine for us, and we're very thankful that our game this year doesn't start to six. Uh, West Coast time. We don't have to be at the bar at nine in the morning, but you know what? We'll make the sacrifice for college football. Uh, so as you're yearning for more information leading into the season, we'll give a quick plug here to TigerNet again. We thank those guys for partnering with us this year. We're really excited about it. And one thing that I find uh, very helpful uh, and informative leading into the season is all the coaches' interviews that they post and also a lot of the personal pieces. You know, it's not just the X's and O's and all that stuff. It's really good. You know, you have articles by David and Nikki Hood really getting in these players' lives. You know, we consider ourselves a Clemson family, so it's really interesting to get inside their heads, get inside their lives, and learn more about them and see who they really are as people. Yeah, I think Christian Wilkins had a, had a feature, Ben Bulware, Wayne Gallman. So, I mean, it's, it, you know, we, we say this all the time, but there's some really great kids in the program, and especially the ones I just mentioned. You, you want to see, you know, learn a little bit more about them, kind of get to know them. Uh, ben Bulware is always must-see, you know, TV, or whenever he gets, like, an interview, he's always got a few good quotes. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, maybe one other addition, we talked about this a little bit last show, is that uh, TigerNet is revamping their ticket, sec- uh, ticket section of their website, the reason you should go there is for one, keep the Clemson tickets within Clemson circles. If it's when we get a basketball, baseball season, all that's available. And the new feature for uh, for right now, the new edition will be that you can get e- e- email notifications. Excuse me, 
for the category of your liking. So um, be sure to check in on that. And like I said, if for no other reason, just keep the Clemson tickets within uh, the Clemson family. Yeah, absolutely. And given that there is so much hype surrounding the Clemson football program this year, a lot of those tickets are going to be hard to come by if you're not already a member through IPTE or if you're trying to get some tickets for friends and family. So great resource there uh, with TigerNet. So, Cody, let's jump back to it. As we mentioned before, the week one games this year are absolutely amazing. You know, we've got Oklahoma at Houston in Texas Stadium. you got Georgia at UNC in the Georgia Dome. USC at Alabama in Arlington. Notre Dame at Texas. Ole Miss at FSU. What are you looking most uh, – what – games are you most looking forward to really all of them you know we just said i'm kind of doubt into everyone um i, I the, the main storyline that strikes me is is acc i want to i want to make sure that uh, obviously i want to we want to beat auburn i would like to see florida state beat Ole miss and i'd like to see unc beat georgia that would be so means so much uh, for the acc to make that kind of statement to say in, in some way that we we are we've arrived um, granted, we're not playing the upper echelon of the SEC, and, and nor is Florida State. But I think uh, I think that UNC Georgia game really means a lot because essentially our upper middle class versus their upper middle class, and it can say, "Hey, the ACC has arrived to some extent, maybe at least on the top half of the ACC." Well, I mean, Ole Miss is still the 11th ranked team in the country right now, so you could say that that is a one of the more well, it is one of the more highly ranked SEC teams. So I absolutely think that's a big matchup. This is a situation where if FSU did lose, it would certainly be an upset. And again, the ACC has two elite teams right now. So for one of them lose uh, to lose in the opening week, that wouldn't be great. If North Carolina goes down to Georgia, Georgia is ranked ahead of them by four spots. So I don't think that's that big of a deal. But I think the positives to gain from a UNC victory would be the perception that the ACC is just more than Clemson and Florida State. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and what's funny is I think the the narrative is North Carolina doesn't really stand a chance. And I mean, like it's just a foregone conclusion that Georgia will win. And, you know, we reviewed North Carolina last week or just a few days ago in our uh, season preview. And North Carolina is a very, a very explosive offense or should be. And if Mitch Trubinsky is as good as they say, then I think Georgia's going to have their hands full. They're not they're not the Georgia, the Todd Gurley Georgia of, you know, 2014. No, and they've got Kirby Smart in there, so they do have a coaching change that they're coming off of. Not to say that Kirby Smart isn't going to be a good coach, and he may have this Georgia team ready to play from day one. But hey, don't look, don't overlook North Carolina. They are going to have a really good offense, and their defense under Gene Chizik is going to be much improved. Well, it might be improved. <laughs> we know their offense will still be good, or should be good. Uh, we think they'll be as disciplined. Maybe they'll be better, but it it should be enough to beat Georgia, right? You would think so, and you know Georgia historically gets off to slow starts to the season. Steve Spurrier this week on ESPN had a very good um, little dig at Georgia there. Is he always liked playing them in the first or second games of the year because they always have about three or four guys suspended for whatever reason. So I'm not sure since Georgia isn't on our radar this year, we're not playing them. I'm not sure what the current state of their suspension is. Well, I don't is. know if you heard, the SEC uh, implemented a new rule where they don't carry out suspensions for the first game of the season. So easy on them now easy on them auburn did just suspend one of their guys in the secondary for a recent arrest maybe they don't maybe the thing is they don't suspend them for anything that happens before july yeah they make them run hills because that's how you teach them the lesson you know put them through the conditioning and then hot alabama heat you have to keep their minds active and to keep them busy to keep them uh so they're not so they stay out of trouble uh so those are two of the more 
high-profile ACC games, and, and again, both against SEC teams. Let's talk about another SEC team here in Alabama, the number one ranked Crimson Tide. I don't think you would find many Clemson fans that would have any grudge against them being ranked number one ahead of us this year to start the season, even though they do enter the enter this year with a question at their starting quarterback position. Right. I mean, that's that's pretty much par for the course for Alabama. I think you talk about Alabama and looking at the team ahead of us, you know, we got a bullseye on all these teams, but particularly Alabama, you know, when you consider how last season ended, knowing that they are the only team ahead of us. And uh, USC, is, they're, they're a good team. I mean, or let's say they have a lot of talent uh, down in Southern California. They have a, a kind of the Dabo Sweeney of the West is what I call him, Clay Helton. Um, you know, so he could potentially turn that program around, you know, build off some positive momentum. Alabama is, yeah, I think what we've seen in the last couple of years is sometimes it takes them a little, bit, a little while to get their feet under them, particularly when you're breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, I would love nothing more than to see USC uh, upset Alabama in the first game. Yeah, and listen, it's it's really been a long way back for that Southern Cal team. You know, they uh, had the scandal with Reggie Bush and Pete Carroll, and that really set them back with all the hits they took there. Then they run into the issue of their last coach having some troubles with alcoholism. Lane Kiffin before that. And Lane Kiffin before that. Yeah. And that really has set them on the wrong path. Now they hope to have it turned around. Listen, they've got such a great college football pedigree that you can't expect that they're going to be down for long. They're in, you know, right in Los Angeles, great weather. They can recruit kids. They have the talent there. So it's only a matter of time before that program starts stepping back into the national spotlight. Yeah, and I, I mean, I always call compare Clayton Helton to Clayton Helton to Davo Sweeney, just because I feel like a lot of programs are trying to move in that direction. Of and, and Dabo Sweeney has kind of set that, uh, or was really led the charge there with a young up and coming uh, coach who's more of like a, a kind of a, a social leader, or a, we'll say a players coach, which is probably more a better style of coaching in 2016 than like your Nick Saban's. So it's very interesting because I don't know how. Uh, that is going to relate in different parts of the country. I think Dabo and his really focus on the family atmosphere and quality of Clemson may play a lot better in the South and the Southeast than it might in other parts of the country, say the Northeast or out here on the West Coast. Yeah, and we found found out quickly that Dabo was a lot more than just a players coach. We knew that what that's what he was as a wide receivers coach. The players loved him, but he, yeah, he he built on that, built upon that, and, and became so much more. Um, maybe looking at another game is Oklahoma and Houston, Houston who. You know, we're kind of over Oklahoma. I think the last two seasons, all the you know, kind of the chatter, uh, you know, smack. What do you call it, the swag or whatever it was leading into the game? I couldn't believe how much trash they were talking, especially knowing on the hills of what happened in 2014, where we just Baker Mayfield was still talking trash after the game. Like that kid won't shut up. And <laughs> their fan base. I mean, I just uh, it's it's unbelievable. Like I'm just I'm kind of over them. I know that they will have a formidable offense, and I think Baker Mayfield, for you know his trash talk aside, is a heck heck of a quarterback. Well, they've got playmakers for sure, but they've got questions on the offensive line. How effective can they be if nobody can block for them? Well, yeah, you're right. They're all about pace. I mean, it's all about getting the tempo up. Kind of what Chad Morris tried to do early on at Clemson, and then beating you that way. I mean, they do have some playmakers that have, you know really good duo of running backs. It's, it's also their defense, where they have a ton of ton of question marks. Uh, I like. I mean, I just I don't think they're. I think they could weave their way into a playoff, and with one loss, 
and still not be anywhere close to as good as Clemson is, and Clemson can be right in that same situation with one loss. So I'm, that's a team I'm going to be strategically rooting against because I think they're a poser, <laughs> if you will. Everything's a facade kind of in the Big 12 with the you know, up-tempo, high-powered offenses and all that stuff. And, and the quality of competition is just not on the same – it's not the same level of like an SEC or the, the upper echelon of the ACC, in my opinion. Well, and you, and you mentioned the questions that they, they're going to have on defense. And listen, Houston's going to score some points. They were a really good team. They were a high-powered offense last year. And they're looking to do the same again this year. The game is in Houston. It's at the Houston-Texas Stadium. But, you know, that's home field advantage for, for the Houston Cougars. I don't know a whole lot about, but I know that they have a chip on their shoulder going into this season because they're in the top, I think like 15, top 20, but they feel like they should be a top 10 team. Their head coach is Tom Herman, who is Ohio State's uh, coordinator, offensive coordinator in 2014 when they won the national championship. So it's a it's a good team. I mean, they have Texas, you know, that that's their recruiting grounds. I mean, they have some talent. So, I mean, it adds, it, it could be a team that could potentially Oklahoma, could upset Oklahoma right away and that would be that would be great I'm, I'm rooting for him and as much as that would be um really a shot in the arm for a houston team that could really almost spell doom for oklahoma uh let's talk about notre dame texas here maybe a game that has prestige built into it just because of the histories of these programs i generally think notre dame comes into every season overrated uh texas is not ranked this year coming in but I think you might see a resurgence this year because Charlie Strong has his guys in there. He's a really good football coach. I expect them to be better. So because of that, this could be a really good game. Yeah, I think if they're number 10, I would say that's fairly rated for them. Where it's They're actually not overrated, but they're not necessarily underrated. It's a team that's going to score points. They return a lot of talent on offense, a couple of good quarterbacks, and uh, I think their defense is going to be suspect, and that'll be their undoing. But it is a good team. Texas, who they finally feel like they have a quarterback who's going to do big things for them. It's a true freshman, a guy they feel is very, very tough-minded. Uh, and you see just a quarterback can really change a program really quick. Surround, you know, Put that guy in with a lot of talent that's already there. You know, Texas is their recruiting, you know, their recruiting land. They, they do just fine there. So it could be a – maybe they're not a top 25 team right now, but I could, I could definitely see them squarely in that mix by the end of the year. You know, two teams that aren't going to be the top 25 by the end of the year. South Carolina opens the college – well, officially kind of opens the college football season in their normal fashion on a Thursday night on the road in Nashville against Vanderbilt. Will Muschamp's first game is the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. A lot of questions on both sides of the ball and really a a lack of talent. This is kind of an even playing field and can certainly be a South Carolina loss. Yeah, they're they're in Nashville. The talent level is right on par with Vanderbilt. It's, you know, the cupboard is bare. The reason I'm, I'm going to be rooting against South Carolina, it's not, I don't like to kick South Carolina when they're down. Like I don't, I don't feel the need. They can do what they do. We'll just do what we do. But this year I am going to kick them while they're down a little bit because Muschamp is doing a great job in, in getting getting his name out on the recruiting trail. He's got his name in the hat for several 2018 prospects, a couple 2017 prospects. And I think it matters because if we're going in one direction, you know, trying to win a national championship and they're potentially winning two or three games, that says a lot to recruits. Well, and a guy like Ortre Smith, who we've been after, the wide receiver out of Wanto, that currently a lot of people have him predicted to go to South Carolina. You know, they lose an opening, their opening game to Vanderbilt, 
combine that with a possible Clemson win at Auburn, where we're able to shuffle in six receivers and they, you know, they yeah. all get catches, plus some others maybe like Cornell Power in the return game. That could go a long way to changing that kid's mind. Yeah, I mean, I he's a big one. We have one week because I think he commits on September the 11th, which is his birthday. This could, that could be the one thing that could turn it around because by all indications, he is a strong South Carolina lean. So speaking of Auburn, let's jump into it now. As we mentioned before, you know, big first game of the year, Clemson at Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it'll be 8 p.m. local time there in Auburn, Alabama. Auburn's a 7-5 team. They were 2-6 and six in the SEC last year, but really you can throw those records out the window. You know, Gus Malzahn is on the hot seat, so you might see this team come out with uh, a little fire lit under them, but... You know, this is an offense that really struggled last year, not what you're used to seeing out of a Gus Malzahn team. You know, they finished 94th in the nation. They've got a really long way to go to get back to that form that Gus Malzahn is, is used to. The defense, on the other hand, is kind of expected to carry the team this year. This is a first year for Kevin Steele, so a lot of moving parts with this team and a lot of unknowns. Cody, what do you think about this Auburn team? I think it's got a lot of talent. They've, we've talked about this. We talked about it. I think our state of the program episode where we talked about different tiers of teams and Auburn's just that team that they can be out of the top 25 one year and the very next year they're in the, uh, the, the championship conversation. You go back to the, the 2010 season where the, it all started there in Jordan-Hare with Clemson and Auburn, and they did have a guy named Cam Newton. They certainly don't have, don't have a guy like that this year. But that was a team that I don't, I don't even remember if they started top 25. They definitely weren't a top 10 team. And all of a sudden, they just, you know, they overcame a 21-point deficit. They're, you know, the rest is history. They went, went on to win the championship. But the same team that fired their head coach two years later returns, I think, the very next year and, and gets back to the national championship game against Florida State. So it's a team, uh, tons of talent. Like you said, I think it starts on their defense where it, it uh, really good talent. Um, but an, uh, uh, what do they call the mad scientist is Gus Malzahn's kind of nickname because he is he's a big uh, he's the guy that Chad Morris learned the hurry up no huddle offense or a lot of those same concepts and you know coincidentally he's also the guy that kind of Kevin Steele complained about having to play against and them also bringing Chad Morris on and now Kevin Steele finds himself uh, after bouncing around several jobs in the last few years after leaving Clemson now in charge of this Auburn defense that, again, like I said, a lot of people expect to carry the team this year. Let's talk a little bit, though, about this Auburn offense, digging a little deeper. You know, on the surface, it's a typical Malzahn offense. They do a good job of spreading you out and running the football, being really physical and utilizing the entire field. Uh, The the thing is, though, they, they do a lot of that, you know, historically, playing off of the run. The quarterback that they have starting, Sean White, who played a few games last year, he's not going to make a lot of plays with his legs. He's not a runner. He doesn't really fit in on paper as well with the typical Auburn offense. Yeah, nothing like Cam Newton. He's the exact opposite of Cam Newton and, and Nick Marshall, for that matter. A uh, guy that uh, was kind of odd. I really didn't think he would be the guy, but I think he has shown them enough in the preseason where he's distanced himself. He is a good player. Uh, he, he was highly recruited. He won the Elite 11 over Deshaun Watson. Right. He, he, a good leader. Um, I, I thought at first when I looked at this guy, I thought he was just kind of a fallback plan. Like, again, like the best of the worst emerged from the pack. But I don't think that's the case. I think he is a uh, formidable opponent, a formidable quarterback who could who could hurt us by extending drives with, uh, you know, to go on top of the misdirection and the, and the trickery and the eye candy that Malzahn sends your way. And they do have – 
playmakers on the outside is the thing. They just haven't really had a, they haven't done a great job in recent years of getting the ball to those guys. Well, I mean, speaking of those wide receivers, they were a bit inconsistent last year, had a bunch of drop balls. They do have a lot of talented freshmen coming in. But kind of going back to their quarterback position, you know, their passing game is really built off of the threat of the run game via the, the run pass option and play action. Yeah, I understand that Sean White's a good quarterback, but if he doesn't have that component in his arsenal, does that really hamstring their offense? I think so. I mean, it's it's we just like our offense in a, in a lot of ways. And it's like it's like the guy that's got a 96 mile an hour fastball. And you, if you only throw that fastball and you can't mix in a curve or a changeup, major league players will be able to hit it. If you can't keep a defense honest by showing them showing them something different, then it it makes you one dimensional, and then you can just prey off of the pass. But but listen, they ran the ball two thirds of the time last year. It's like throwing that curveball, you know, 67 percent of the time. That's a big shift. You expect them. I mean, they've got questions at running back with you know guys leaving from last year and then Javon Robinson being dismissed from the team. And then they got a quarterback who doesn't have that running ability. Right. And you know Malzahn will do everything he can. Again, the kitchen, the kitchen sink, get out of jail free cards. He'll do everything he can to win, to, to win this game and make sure this season is set up on the right path because it doesn't get any easier after this for them. Um, so I think they're going to do as much as they can, getting their playmakers out in space. Anything they can do on the outside, I, Malzahn is—he is a wizard. He's—he knows what he's doing. They're going to try to exploit that strong side, uh, the in position on, on our defense, uh, where we don't have a lot of a lot of answers there. A lot of we'll say, uh, well, it's unknown. proven proven answers. Right, right. Yeah. It's unknown at this point. We we think we have talent, but we'll see. You know, another guy that's been battling for that quarterback spot, John Franklin III. He is a transfer. You know, he's not all that big, but he's incredibly fast, and he has the ability to make something happen when everything else breaks down. So he does kind of fit the mold of that typical Mazan quarterback. However, he didn't get the nod over Sean White. However, I think, you know, the Brent Venables and his defensive staff would be remiss not to be ready for both of them. Right. I mean, you know that in the scout team, at least we have different guys that we can throw at our defense to get different looks. Hard to recreate it, you know, exactly in, in the same mold as Malzahn. But I think that's maybe a one thing that we have going for us is that we can try to simulate a lot of similar things that they will throw at us and, and a lot of similar concepts. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's – you talked about John Franklin. Not a knock on him at all. I think Sean White is is just a really good, really good player, and like you said, not in the traditional mold of the Auburn quarterback. But yeah, and I think he probably just has a better grasp on the offense. You know, John Franklin does have a cannon of an arm, so he can't throw the ball. Uh, I think his ability to uh, to reliably read defenses is a question mark, and especially going in against the number two team in the country, you probably think you have a better chance at home with a guy who has played in this offense before. You know, you saw him on the field last year. He's a more proven guy. He's going to be able to work through his progressions better and really just gives you more of a fighter's chance in this game. Yeah, I think the one knock on him was just his injury luck. And in this one-game sample, we'll have to assume he probably won't be injured. So uh, you're going to get a, 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 the full shot from from their offense. Uh, maybe going to their receivers because that's a, that's a concern for us, our defense, not not on Tink's side, the field corner position. You know, we're, All eyes are going to be on Mark Fields maybe Trayvon Mullen or, or Marcus Edmonds, they, they have a, a, a bevy of wide receiver talent. You, you hit on a little bit. A lot of that, it's, it's coming in from the freshman class where they, they hit a bunch of home runs in their recent recruiting class, but they also have a few like holdovers, upperclassmen that, that are pretty good players or they should have good seasons. 
Yeah, so I think their most dynamic pass catchers this year are going to be a couple second-string freshmen, Eli Stove and Marcus McLean. They do have a handful of veterans competing for some spots, uh, You know, guys like Marcus, Marcus Davis and Tony Stevens. But, again, a lot of unknowns. It, it says something when your upperclassmen aren't really stepping in to fill that role and you have a bunch of unproven guys battling for that second spot. You know, They've got other freshmen, Nate Craig Myers, uh, Kyle Davis, so a lot of raw talent, but not a lot of experience. A lot of these guys you might not see start against Clemson, but I, I think they are going to rotate a lot of them in throughout this game. Yeah, and I think last year, like I said, a lot of consistency issues with their receivers. It, it kind of It's kind of like our defense and with their offense in certain positions. Uh, it kind of mirrors our defense in, in that there's talent. They've recruited well. It's just that they haven't put it on the field. I mean, it's not to say they can't do it, but they just haven't proven it yet, and I, I tend to give us a little bit more of, of a benefit of the doubt because Brent Venables has proven it. I guess Gus Malzahn has, to his credit, he has, but at least in recent years, he hasn't. Uh, so it's kind of like prove it first, although Sean White is the best passer they've had working for them in, in, in quite a while. Again, I, and I don't think a lot of this matters if they can't run the ball. You know, we already talked about Sean White and his inability to run. The offensive line, they lack experience in a few areas and don't have a lot of depth. You combine that with the fact, like I mentioned, that they have a lot of questions at running back given the fact that Javon Robinson, the guy that, you know, they thought he could rise up and be a superstar this year. So now they're relying on a sophomore in Carryon Johnson. You know, he's a former blue chipper. He is a threat to catch the ball in the backfield, but again, a guy with not a lot of experience. And then the only other guy, really, that they're going to depend on is a converted fullback in Cameron Petway. Right, and the kind of the staple of their Cam Newton, Nick Marshall championship squads were that they had a darn, darn good running back complementing a darn good quarterback. They had uh, Trey Mason and, and then a couple of other guys that I think played in the NFL after him. Uh, and I can't remember the guy's name from uh, from the 2010 run, but point is they had good running backs, and they don't necessarily have a, a guy that they can trust quite yet. Uh, you mentioned their offensive line. I think it, we t- we talked about if we can uh, establish a if we can if we can cut off the head of the snake through the interior line and get penetration, then we could potentially cut you know could establish an advantage from the get. However, their interior offensive line, their guards and their center are really good. They're, they're, they feel really, really good about that. Well, we feel really, really good about our interior defensive line, don't we? We do, but here's the, here's the problem. If we're moving Christian Wilkins out, a guy that when you're going up against an All-American, I feel pretty good that Christian Wilkins can go head-to-head with anyone. How do you feel about Scott Pagano or Dexter Lawrence? Not as good. I mean, how could you feel as good about Scott Pagano versus Dex? I, I, I think Big Dex just has to walk forward and we'll be fine. He, yeah, we, <laughs> all right, so it's one thing to like. In, in, in I know, I know. It's not just he's a big dude, throw him out there, we'll be okay. It takes a lot more than just your physical stature to be a good defensive lineman. The high school game is completely different than what it is in the college and game. And you're he's, facing an all American offensive guard who. Will school you. Like if you're if you're Dexter Lawrence and your pad level is not right, if your hands aren't right, you, you will get schooled. Um, so that's why it's so important to have Christian Wilkins playing in his rifle position, because that becomes an advantage that's no longer an advantage for us. Now we're pu- putting him at a strong side defensive end. Sure, he can give us a plus grade there, but we're not necessarily dominant there with him at defensive end, strong side defensive end. Well, yeah, you know, I think the key to all of this, you know, is we finish breaking down Auburn's offense here. Is that for for them to get back? 
to the typical Gus Malzahn Auburn offense that we're used to is that this offensive line really has to start controlling the games again, and, and especially in crunch time. It's, they've got to be relied on more in key situations. It's not something they could really do last year. So, yeah, they might – they have some – guys returning some key guys returning they also have some question marks so it's going to be interesting to see how this Clemson defense uh with a really really talented defensive line that we're we're super hyped about how they perform in this game so let's switch it over from one last thing go ahead Cleveland Farrell my pick for uh he he could be the x factor because if they do have a weakness I think it's at left tackle it's both of their their tackles are talent or upperclassmen but not proven he could be the X factor. Well, and the opposite side of that is how the guy playing, whether it's Richard Jurgen or Christian Wilkins, as you talked about, you know, I don't think either of them are going to be up to the same level as Austin Bryant. As good as Christian Wilkins is, it's not his natural position. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on the opposite side of the field as well. Again, it's one thing for Kevin, or sorry, Shaq Lawson to be really good at defensive end. He was anchored by. Kevin Dodd last year so if you have a disparity from one side of the ball to the other you know, I think that could throw things off a little bit and the reason it's so important against Sovereign and not to beat a dead horse here is that they will throw a lot around uh, to the outside and you have to have a, a, a defensive end that can make plays in, out in space and that's another reason Christian Wilkins is fast but he's not Austin Bryant um, it's a it's a big loss and then we hope Richard Jurgen we'll see what he's got he between Jurgen Farrell and, and Christian Wilkins at defensive end. We'll see what we have at that position. So let's now switch it over to Auburn's defense. Again, a, a squad that a lot of people believe may have to carry their team this year, which is kind of a head-scratcher considering you would consider off, uh, Auburn a score-first and offensive-heavy team. And then they have Kevin Steele coming in, who's had three stops since he left Clemson. He led LSU's defense last year. They took a step back under him, dropping from 9th to 27th. This is Auburn's third straight season with a new defensive coordinator. How <laughs> is this defense going to carry this team? It's talent. I mean, there's no other way to say it. it it's a lot of talent. I think out the guys in Auburn feel like this is their best defensive unit in about 10 years or so. They, it's the best one in the Chiswick-Malzahn era that they feel. So... I mean, it starts with their defensive front. They really do have a just a gaudy defensive line, just NFL players all around. With a couple of familiar names to Clemson fans. Carl Austin and Montrevious Adams is where it starts. Uh, Adams was thought to be going to Clemson. It was, it was, they, they, Clemson was felt good that they had a last-minute trip to Auburn. I don't know what happened. He went to, anyway, he goes to Auburn. So he, he's had sort of a, I don't want to say a lackluster career, Let's, let's say he hasn't been Carlos Watkins. He hasn't been Christian Wilkins. He's underachieved. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but he, yeah, yes. For a guy of his size with his tools, he really has underachieved, and they're banking on him to play a lot better this year, to anchor this defensive line, him and also another former Clemson target, Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson is, is the guy, and he's the, probably the best player on their defense, maybe the best player on their whole team. Uh, it's scary. He's going to put, I believe he's at the weak side, so I believe he'll be matched up against Hyatt. Um, he's actually he might be the strong side. Either way, for Morgan or Hyde are gonna have their hands full. Uh, Carl Lawson's just a beast, and you talk about um, him, their interior line. Well, defensive tackle Dontavious Russell, another they high, go deep, highly it's regarded guy. Kind of like our defensive yeah. tackle rotation, they just bring him out. So the the big question with Carl Lawson is, you know, he's returning from injury. Can he stay healthy? He's the most important player on this team for sure. But if he's not out there to help them. 
you know. Again, though, and yeah, I got one game set or sample. I assume he'll stay healthy. He made it this far. I assume him and Sean White will be will be healthy. And then on the opposite side, you know, Coward, uh, two former five stars, and Coward and Marlon Davidson. He was the number one player in the whole class, and it looks like Davidson is is overtaking him as a true freshman. Yeah, more probably of an, an indictment on Coward, but. And Davidson, this Davidson guy must be pretty good. Well, Davidson's a guy that, that really made a good impression during spring practice. He was an early enrollee, and he's going to be one of the top freshmen in the SEC this year. Um, and, you know, it's not just him. You know, freshman Derek Brown, who came in with this class, is going to he's, see plenty of stats. He's their Dexter line. Lawrence, really. Like Derek Brown, he's 6'4", 330. Stud. So, I mean, I, I think we agree that this could be the, the best defensive front that the Clemson Tigers see all year. Yeah, we talked about Florida State. I, I tend to think it'd be Florida State, but the more that I've looked at Auburn's defensive line, it it probably is the best. I mean, what Florida State has going for them is they're they, they're good all throughout the defense. But uh, yeah, it's it's a scary defensive line for sure. Now the flip side of that is this could also be the best offensive line that Auburn sees all year. <laughs> yeah, we, I'd like to think so. It's I'll say this: I, I feel really good that we have a. Not just a, a great offense, but potentially an elite offense or it's offensive a, line. It's a strength on strength here. Because yeah, if we, we would have came in here like with a, just a top twenty-five offensive line, we might have gotten beat, beaten up. We might have lost right there in the trenches. But that's not going to happen. Well, I mean, you know, nobody's going to have a stronger offensive line than us this year. So obviously, that's a strength. Same thing with quarterback. Same thing with wide receiver. Uh, running back, yeah, there might be a better stable of running backs in the college football landscape, but you know, if you have a really good offensive line, a really good quarterback, and a really good wide receiver, and have some pretty talented guys at running back, you're feeling okay about your offense, no matter what type of defense you're facing. Yeah, so let's let's talk about what Clemson's got to do because I think that's what's important. And when I talk about the pitcher and his three pitch arsenal, that's what Deshaun Watson's got to be. He's got to make things happen in the pass game. Uh, the intermediate passing game, I think it will be will be important, especially in the early going, just to, to keep these defensive ends, you know, the pressure off of Watson. But also uh, the the run game with with Gallman, zone reads, uh, run options, like all these things, you've got to master all these things to keep the defense, to keep that safety health back on Mike Williams, you know, to keep guys over the middle not cheating over. Well, and it's interesting you mention uh, getting into that second level because coincidentally Auburn's biggest question mark this year is at linebacker they don't have a lot of experience or depth there so can these linebackers coming in trey williams he's a solid guy they've got an uh, illinois transfer in tj neal but can they hold up when deshaun watson or wayne gallman gets into that second level that's what we'll find out and i think that's we talked about it when you have a team that has a weakness and you can pinpoint it we think it's linebacker you've got to exploit it you got to keep going to it and just Pick the scab off. And listen, this is where Clemson could just pick up where they left off because you saw them target uh, Nick Saban and Alabama's linebackers from its spread sets last year in the in the national title game. And, you know, it worked pretty well. Yeah. I, if there's anyone that can do it, it's Deshaun Watson. And I think that I, I've, I've grown to have more confidence in Tony Elliott, Jeff Scott, and their ability to – to really just, I mean, they don't they don't overthink it, or at least they not in, in most situations. Just go with what works, and I think Deshaun Watson and his mastery in that zone read, knowing when to the, the, you know those design runs, but also when to pull it out or the the run options and and take the ten yards that you have in the open field. So you know, one thing Deshaun Watson did have a little bit of trouble last year is he threw a good bit more interceptions than we'd normally be comfortable with. On Auburn's side of the ball, they returned freshman, uh, 2015 freshman All-SEC guy Carlton Davis. He led the team in interceptions last year. 
You know, they've got a, a couple good corners. They get another safety in Josh Holsley, a 2014 starter, back from injury. So they're much deeper at safety than cornerback, but they feel like they have some playmakers back there. Yeah, I think Davis also led this the team in offseason arrest, tied you know for the lead at one. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep throwing that out because it just it's despicable that these players aren't punished by at least missing a few games. Uh, Sammy Watkins just a few years ago missed two games, one one being against Auburn. Anyway, I'll keep throwing that out. But well, those things aside, you still have to play the guys that are put there on the field in front of you. Yeah, it's not a. I feel like cheated. It's like do what's right, be a be a good person, do what's right. You anyway, know, do what's right by these kids too. Anyway, yeah. What well, and I think that's the bigger point. But ultimately, for me, I want to see the best guys on the field. Yeah, we'll beat their best, and that's fine. Who deserved to be there? Right. So, yeah, they, they certainly have a lot of athletes in that secondary. It's a lot like there's young guys. It's guys that are unproven. They're going to be put to the test against Clemson's elite receivers, um, but no slouches. And, it, again, it reminds me a little bit of our defense. It's kind of like throwing Mark Fields and, and Trayvon Mullen out there. You know you got good guys, but are they, are they ready? And how are they going to do against superior competition? Yeah, and again, their big question being at linebacker and a, a little bit at cornerback. But again, nobody's played a game this year yet, so we'll have to see how things go on Saturday. Moving to special teams real quick, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've talked it to death. We, again, haven't seen them play at all, and we've been talking about the same things. We can make this short and sweet. Kickoffs, Hugel, kick it into the end zone, and if they bring it out, don't let him go for 40-plus yards. Apparently, he's doing better, too. By all reports, we, he's, and, his leg strength is better. And we have starters, including Ben Bulware, on that kick return coverage team. Uh, kick returns? Can we get some touchdowns this year? Do we see any playmakers, which we expect to, take some to the house like we used to see in the Spiller and Ellington days? I think we may start to see that. If this became a tight game at the end and you know we're trying to inch away but we can't, that's the kind of backbreaker uh, that that return game can be. And we have the guy, I think we have the guy is Raymond McLeod. I think that is the guy. Punt returns, just catch the ball, give it to the offense. Possess the ball. That, the that, ball. that is an easy one. Uh, field goals, can Hugo get consistent above kind of the 42-yard range? Can he hit his extra points? We hope we don't stall out there. We hope our, none of our drives stall out around that. I say if I say if we're in like in the forty-five to fifty-five range, that the offense is going to be so good that you go for it on fourth down. Line Christian Wilkins out on the outside and go for it. Just throw it to him. Uh, And then punting, is it out of the question to ask Teasdall to average over forty yards a punt? I don't think so. Over thirty-five yards a punt? Yeah, okay, yeah, thirty-five. Or maybe we're so close to the end zone because our offense is driving down the field that he's just dropping them inside the twenty. <laughs> That's what we're hoping. Something needs to improve is all we're saying. So again, we'll see how this plays out. The season goes on. The coach has been talking uh, about how they have such an improved focus on special teams this year. Some consulted, some outside people. So. Hopefully, given what we saw in the national championship game, that's an area that they focused on, and we will see a lot of improvement. So, Cody, we've kind of gone over both sides of the ball. We know what Clemson has to offer based on what we saw last year. There are a few things about Auburn. There are some question marks. We're not as familiar with them. But I think we have a pretty good read on them at this point. Can Auburn win this game? Absolutely, yeah. The, the talent is there. Uh, the coaching is there. Uh, again, they're gonna—they've had a long time to prep for us. They—they they, there's not a lot of surprises. Like they have Kevin still there plugging in. They—they they know schematically what we like to do. Um, they have a very rabid and impassioned fan base that's going to be 
90,000 screaming, roaring, you know, redneck Alabama fans. <laughs> um, it's going to, it's going to be a great game day environment. That's a stereotype, Cody. I, I've been there before and I've also grew up in South Carolina, <laughs> so I can say that. Um, it's, they can absolutely beat us. Um, it's going to take a lot. Um, but you know, I'll just answer it short. Long story long. Yeah, they can beat us. Can they? Yes, but it's a long shot because I think too many things have to ultimately go right for them. They do have the advantage of uh, being at home, but listen, their their chances hinge kind of on three factors. Does the defensive line live up to the billing? We talked about the talent they have there, but that talent hasn't played up to the level that they're capable of in the past. Number two, does Clemson commit turnovers? Really, I see us committing a lot less than we did last year. And then finally, does the Auburn run game give us trouble? But considering all the question marks they have at running back, a little bit on offensive line, and a not-as-mobile quarterback, I don't see that being an issue either. For Auburn to win, all three of those things have to happen, and I think that's kind of, as far as the chances go, it's slim to none. Auburn doesn't want to find itself in a position where it's looking to win the game by asking White to regularly drop back and throw the ball down the field. So they have to be balanced. I'm not sure that happens, but if it does, Clemson does face the possibility of losing this game. I agree. It's so many things that have to go right. You know, we need things to go right at the field cornerback position. That's only one position. We need our strong side defensive end. We need things to go right there. That's only like two things. I feel like they need so many things. They need Sean White to be Drew Brees. They need their their uh, wide receivers to develop, you know, great hands that they, that they didn't have last year. Like you said, they need their defensive line to stay healthy and be what they've been hyped up to be. And I, I just think it's when you ever got that many question marks, it, it's tough. It's favorable to, to especially Clemson. against the number a legitimate number two team in the country that's been there. Yeah, they're not going to be rattled. I don't think Clemson's going to be rattled. Well, let's so talk. Let's talk about Clemson. What are we looking for out of them? What are we looking for out of them on the offensive side of the ball? We talked about it, like starting with the passing, um, with getting Sean, Sean Watson, getting his feet under him. You have a lot of options. I think the great thing about having Mike Williams back is he's going to command double teams or he's going to require safety help. So I think you got to get Jordan Leggett involved. You got to get Hunter Renfro involved. You know, just kind of the intermediate. Get him, get Deshaun Watson comfortable. You know, hit Artavis on some screen routes. Get him going at first, and then and then you know, let let Gallman be the horse. Like, don't even worry about zone reads and and, and run options. Let's keep uh, Watson healthy, but just break it out when you have to. Uh, if it gets to a point in the game where hey, we're these guys are keeping up with this or they're leading then we'll throw the kitchen sink at them the way we did Alabama, and we'll let Deshaun run like crazy. But I say let's just let's get him comfortable in the passing game. Let him be that pass first uh, dual threat, just starting out. So Deshaun Watson had a quote earlier this week. He said, even if they know the play, if you execute it, they can't stop it. And I think that's a per- perfect summation of how this offense is going to operate this year. They are poised in experience. And I really do expect them to come out and execute well. I know Auburn has a great D-line, but we have a really great offensive line. I agree with you. We need to establish the run, and I think that needs to happen early on to set the tone in the game. And then once we do that, what can we do to surprise them on offense? Not a lot of people are as aware of Deion Kane as we are as Clemson fans. Do we send out packages with Williams and Scott and Kane instead of Rimfrew out there? We started to pick them um, apart across the middle, pick on their linebackers with Leggett and Renfro. Does Trevion Thompson, is he a guy that, again, not a lot of people know about, start to get into the game? What does C.J. Fuller bring to the table? There's a lot of pieces to the puzzle that Clemson can put in there that 
you know, these opposing teams haven't really seen before, even though we are such a well-known offense and a very good and experienced offense. So it all starts up top with Deshaun Watson and the experience level of the guys that are around him and how comfortable they are with each other. Ultimately, I don't think they're able to stop it. I don't think so. I, I like it. I th- I'm getting excited uh, for this season. So the question is, can our defense stop their offense? I think this is a really good first test for the Clemson defense. You know, We're facing an offense that runs a very complex system based on deception, and that's going to help a lot of the new starters kind of grow up fast. But at the same time, Auburn doesn't really have the, the talent on offense to execute it to its full potential and exploit a lot of our weaknesses. Yeah, I don't see us coming out looking like that top 10 defense that we looked, you know, when we played Notre Dame last year. Like, we proved quickly, like, wow, this is, Clemson has reloaded. I don't think you see that kind of dominant effort. But I do think you see a team that can get some stops that will still look pretty dominant on the, along the interior of the defensive line. Um, a team that will get, some, will get some pressure, hopefully from Farrell. And, and a team that will send the kitchen, or that I'm not the kitchen sink, the uh, that will send the house on blitzes, and and see, you'll see Brent Venables being his same aggressive self in certain packages to put as much pressure on Sean White as he possibly can. Again, just a defense that I think will get stops that should be sufficient. Yeah, to hell with it. Send the kitchen sink too. Send, send everything you got <laughs> at him. The but the sink. thing is, I, I think that's what we do. I, I really do because they have a, a lack of proven wide receivers that we really need to be scared about. I think we can attack the run game uh, with either numbers, uh, some safety blitzes, linebackers, and again, just because they don't scare us. I don't. I, I don't think they scare us at that position. I know we have question marks in the secondary, but between Tank, Jadar Johnson, and Van Smith, I, th- I think we're pretty locked up in those positions. Mark Field may be a bit of a question mark, but I think he's going to perform better than a lot of us think. If it's if there's somewhere where like Venables in his scheme where he likes to pull an extra linebacker or pull a safety in, in into the box, I think he wants to put numbers there and and cut them off at the line of scrimmage and make Sean White beat you in the passing game and prove that he can do it, do it consistently, and do it uh, against you know for one do it against Tank, but also just kind of like a a, a bend don't break. You're not going to get your chunk plays. If you want to kill us with accuracy, then, then good luck. Well, like Alex Kraft said it, well, we're, we're okay with that because we have Deshaun Watson on the other side. Yeah, so ultimately, I want to see a really poised team out there, a true national championship contender that doesn't care that they're opening the season on the road in a hostile environment against a team that has you know, recently won a national championship. I want to see a team that goes in confident knowing that they are a much superior team, and I want to see them play like that. You know, a team that has an edge and plays, again, like a national champion. I agree. I think there's something to be said for poise and Deshaun Watson, the way he carries himself. It, it bled over into the national championship where we didn't feel like at any point we couldn't beat Alabama. And I, I want to see that, that it carries over into a very, uh, we'll say, electric game day atmosphere. So let's get to our predictions here. You know, the first game is always the hardest because you haven't seen either team play. You're just kind of going off a of speculation uh, from the offseason. You know, we know what we're going to get out of the Clemson offense, but what are we going to get out of the defense? You know, we don't know if White is the answer at QB for Auburn, and we don't know if their defensive line is going to live up to what everybody thinks they can. Ultimately, I think that they have too many questions at quarterback, wide receiver, and running back to beat us, and I just don't think you beat really good teams with that many question marks. Uh, 
ultimately, our offense is going to be too much for them. The defense may let up some scores early, but I think eventually they shake off the jitters. I have Clemson winning 38-24. to Cody, what do you have? Yes, I, I think they have enough talent to keep the game close. I think they're going to be... They're going to come out really, you know, juiced up and ready to play. Uh, you'll see some of their playmakers early on. You'll see Gus Malzahn, you know, throwing together some some probably pretty plays. Uh, ultimately, though, like you said, I think it comes down to their question marks. They just don't have enough proven guys. Their inexperience will show will will will, sh- will show through. As well as like, I know I'm going to hit it, like say it again, but they've had was it four or five offseason arrests. I think there's something to be said for a culture that lacks discipline, and I know it's. You can, you can say the two aren't the same, but in some ways I think they are because I think we have a program that's super focused on winning a national, a national championship, and I think the discipline there as a whole uh, won't, won't, won't come through. And then ultimately I think we pull away. I think it will be a close game uh, initially, but I think we pull away in the end and our offense proves to be too much. 45-31. to 31. It's crazy, I know. A lot of points. So Tully, again, can't be with us today, but he mailed his in. He has Clemson 35, Auburn 28. And then we're also do, we do a couple things this year. The three of us are going to have a predict, prediction challenge, uh, very similar. This will be a point-based system, very similar to what TigerNet does with all their riders. Um, and then another thing, we're going to have a podcast aggregate score, essentially an average. So if you take our three predictions from this week, uh, the podcast is predicting Clemson 39, Auburn 28, so a good buffer there. That covers the spread. So, folks, that's all we have for this Auburn preview. Really excited about the game this weekend. If you're heading down there, have fun and drive safe. Try not to poison any trees, and as you always do, represent our Clemson Tiger family with class. We'll be back at you with uh, a review of the game after what is hopefully Clemson's first one of the season. So until then, and as always... Go Tigers.